Welcome back to DM's Test Kitchen, and this is our review for Blades in the Dark. If you don't recall, we played Blades in the Dark for our Halloween and Christmas arcs, so again, if you don't want to be spoiled, go and listen to those first. Otherwise, tune on in, and I hope you enjoy. to DMS's Kitchen, and this is our review of Blades in the Dark. So if you don't remember, we did Blades in the Dark for our, both our Halloween and Christmas episodes. Our Halloween... I don't know what's going on over there. Jeff is stroking Amanda. Yes. Just wiping wet Cheeto dust onto my arm. Delicious. It's gross. Alright, and this is a... Okay. We are professionals. Let's start again. <laughs> okay. Anyways. We're going to talk about Blades in the Dark. So, Blades in the Dark. Let's start with a learning curve. Well... I guess, yeah, they kind of know what we did. They listened to it. Hopefully. Well, yeah, I didn't. Tell me. Blades in the Dark is a heist game. Oh, yes. Ooh. So, yeah, Blades in the Dark, You it is a primarily a heist game. You pay a group of criminals. So when you create your characters with your party and people at the table, it's going to be as part of some sort of clan or group. You decide what your group specializes in. Are you smugglers? Are you assassins? There's a bunch of options. I think there's seven. Yeah. Um, and then there's your classes are the different archetypes within that. So... Again, either you are an assassin, either you are uh, an alchemist or a chemist, or either you're just a brute and just beats people up, that kind of thing. So there's there's a, there's a couple of different options available, but you're, you're, you're primarily thinking of traditional heist-style archetypes, and it is based in the world of Duskfall, which is a fantasy world where basically the sun has been destroyed at some point, I think about 2,000 years ago, and... Something. Everyone lives within these de- these domes that are powered by demon blood to keep out Standard the bad stuff. stuff. Sort are... of a Victorian steampunky. V- yeah, it's or or paranormal. Yeah. yeah, so and there are ghosts and there are demons, and uh, things in general are just like not great. Things that things are just pretty much grimy and dirty. It's a seedy. It's a seedy yeah. city, and you're on the wrong side of the track. I found the learning curve um, very easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now. With that said, I do recall screwing up the character sheet <laughs> with Pam, um, but now, almost immediately. So you, you, but that was also because you weren't listening. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Definitely was was that. Um, but but that said, I I still found the the process. I mean, the the characters were mostly done. Yeah. Already, and you got these sheets and made a couple of choices on them. Now, were those cheat sheets that we got? Were those those are provided by the system? Those are provided by the system. Perfect. Yeah. So um, Brian was our DM at the time. He walked us through the character creation, which was very straightforward. There's a bunch of different class archetype character sheets. You pretty much just check off the boxes and fill in the dots. Uh, there's a couple things that are open text, like you put your name in, you put in your background, but like, oh, what abilities you want? Pick two out of the list of ten. I filled out too many dots. Yes, with pen. With pen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's like, oh, you've got to pick a certain amount of attributes. And it's all very self-explanatory. There's text on the character sheet itself that tells you exactly what that means. Um, now, there's some things that, you know, you do have to get the book to, like, 
read additional details on, like, oh, especially if you're an alchemist, like, it gives you a list of different things you can make, but you have to look at the book to kind of see what the effects of those are. But for the most part, almost everything is on your character sheet or the cheat sheets that they provide you. Mm-hmm. So Blaze of the Dark does come with cheat sheets that, you, that are available online. You can print off and it gives you all the rules in about two pages. Yeah, no, I found all of that very helpful. Um, I don't think we stumbled at all. I think we picked it up right we away. We picked it up. Mm-hmm. The, everything kind of comes down to D6 rolls. And you get more dice depending on how skilled you are. Mm-hmm. And you just need to get one of them high. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very simple. There's no math. You don't need to add modifiers or anything. It's just what's your highest dice. Hey, you did the thing. Yeah, and if you don't have any points in the skill, you roll two die and you take the lowest. You're always rolling at disadvantage if you don't have any points in the skill. Yeah. Which is yeah. kind of cool. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 And there's a, there's a range. So six is you just nailed it. I think four or five is you did it, but maybe some There's a consequence, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, the game is designed, like, you know, you're not necessarily designed to win with this game. The game is bad things are going to happen, and that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it is hard to achieve things flawlessly in this game, and things are supposed to go awry and go crazy, and that's how you got to deal with it. Yeah. And the game primarily, like we were talking about before, primarily deals in heists or within um, oh, scores is what they call them. So when you're playing, you're playing on a score. So it's like if you're playing another tabletop game where you're playing on a quest. Whenever you're doing a score, you have a specific job to do with whatever your clan, your criminal organization does, either smuggling or assassination. And that is how you play. You play through that score. And then at the end, you then take the experience you earned and do upgrades to your character and the base. I believe our, our gang was... Totally legitimate business ink or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Legitimate, legitimate career, career, career business. business. Legitimate, legitimate business. career yeah. business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were a smuggling group, and <laughs> I love LCB. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was great. Um, yeah, no, the the learning curve for me was yeah as easy as they they come. So four point five. Sure. Yeah, I'd give that a four point five. Yeah, yeah. I I would be a little bit on the four side. There was a couple things that are for me. Yeah, no, I guess there there were a couple of things that weren't quite it was maybe for. Uh, four? If you wanted to play multiple sessions, like sort of deeper down the, mm. the rabbit hole, there were a couple of things. So yeah, like a four is a really safe call, though. Like, no, yeah. of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of that comes down to the character sheets being well laid out and the cheat sheets mm-hmm. really laying out what you were able to do on a turn, how to roll for that, what those rolls meant. And we didn't have to sort of custom put together cheat sheets to play the game. And that was all really smooth sailing. Yeah, it was pretty much all put together for you. Cool. So, new friendly, you've never played a tabletop before, you've just started this game. I think this would be a great entry point type game for yeah. people who were maybe on the fence about diving right into a D&D type game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I couldn't say that, because it offloads a lot of like the work from the player level. It's more so like, hey, this is, you're creating a character, ask this question. How does your character deal with these sort of problems, or so yeah. forth? It's sort of like, all you really need to think about is... I'm this person, and I kind of figure it out, and then you choose things along the way that kind of help you. There's not so much of a character creation that you're not going to build it and build it and build it, and then, it, then it's done. It's sort of like, oh, hey, I'm and just going. There's not a lot of, like, slog of, you know, I'm grabbing my race and then my class, and how do they work together? Mm-hmm. It's not like I have a specific race, and there's all of these extra attributes or, or spells that I can have. It's... I have this race, and this is how I'm going to be interacting with the world. Yeah, it's right. advertised. It's advertised as not needing a DM. Well, no, no, it's not. It's not advertised as that, but it is something that Brian said that it's possible. okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, it is possible to play it without is. a DM, uh, and the DM was yeah more there to kind of 
challenge and ask questions yeah. rather than set the... Well, I, I... Okay, what I was going to say, what, what my impression of it was, was that you don't have a DM or need a DM, that you're working at the table together to create a narrative, and that we brought Brian in because he'd played it before and was familiar with it to get us mm -hmm. up and running, so that we were playing it sort of close to the rules, so we weren't totally misrepresenting mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. on the podcast. I think um, you still do need a DM. It, it does technically suggest having a DM, but it is totally one of those games that's possible to play without a DM. We did pick up the remainder of it. For yeah. our Halloween episode. For we Halloween. Yeah, yeah, with with yeah. the... I thought that we sort of had the makeshift DM just because that was how we were used to playing it. So maybe maybe I misinterpreted. Yeah, well, we, can, we, can, we kind of... Bit, um, we kind of made the rules up in the bit in that regard, and we were kind of co-DMing. I think at the end, Amanda was kind of the one who was making the final calls and everything when we were doing that without the DM. But um, even though the game's not specifically designed to do that, we were able to do that quite easily, I think. Yeah. But I thought it worked quite well. It could work quite well um, in a similar vein as Fiasco does, yeah. where you as a group are making decisions and agreeing on sort of what happens, and you don't need a DM. So yeah, if D&D yeah, so. is a little intimidating, if you really want to have a group of five or six players and nobody wants to step up as the DM, I think Blades in the Dark is a good game for that. Except I would add that there would have to be, as a DM, or some sort of decision-making. It could be built at the table, and that could be like a group DM sort of thing, but like the heist itself, the job that it comes to your crew or how that, that has to come from somewhere that has to be created. And oftentimes and that's could... the GM's position that he takes it and he creates that like, oh, hey, like, you know, this is the sort of job that comes up and you guys sort of approach it now. You could easily make that a roll table. Like, yeah, yeah, pick, yeah, a exactly. pick a location, yeah. pick the thing. I think you could also, you could have a, like a player DM. But, right, like somebody, mm -hmm. somebody that was. Like listening. the boss of the criminal thing. But this is all yeah. coming into customization. Rules that's of script. True. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like you have someone who creates this and sort of builds it into it. Like you can, Again, you can play pretty much any system any which way because... Yeah, like how we broke Fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it all comes down to session zero mm -hmm. yeah. group calls. Yeah, so... From, and, like, as since I was the one in the group that um did the DM thing, DMing for the second part as a new DM, it's pretty easy. And, like, the game is very structured. It's like, there's a score. The beginning of the score is the planning the score. There's the executing the score. There's the end of the score and, like, how you assign the experience and stuff based on that. Like... Really, it's very hands off as a DM for the most part. You're you're just kind of, you know, adding those like, oh, well, you go here, that's what you see, and then you just let the players do that, and the dice rolls kind of handle so much of what happens. Mm -hmm. So I think for a new friendly four, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it offloads it. I would say like I would be a little bit um, eh, no, I had a four, four, yeah, okay. It sounds super simple. Yeah. Um, so adaptability, how easy to customize. Um, so for when I ran my session for Christmas, that was all a custom plot that I put together for it and super easy. Like I stole like one or two NPCs from the book to throw in around here and there and just read the descriptions of the areas and utilize them to what fit what I wanted to do. And I found it really easy to do that. Um, and like we maybe we changed a couple of the rules just to apply more to the podcast to keep things moving so we weren't dragging things down. Like I customized a bit how much um um, advancement options you guys had just because some stuff just didn't apply to the fact that we weren't playing a long-term game. But um, I, I do think it's pretty easy to customize. Um, I don't know if you have some thoughts on that. So part of one thing I would say for customization, there are parts of it which are built heavily around some like core features, like the spirit veil, that the fact that is a part of the world that to see into that spirit veil or sort of like have beyond the veil or that, that that is a core function of the world that is sort of needed for some of the roles or some of the classes that exist within that world. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so you have to do some homework to it. Not like you could do homework. You could make a system to customize that would fit those. Like it has some like key checkpoints. I would say part of the system that is like you need something to fulfill that. It's like so if you took Blade in the Dark mechanics, pulled that out and stuck it in another world, mm-hmm. it still has to fulfill. You know, it has to have like some sort of like spirit realm. It has to have some sort of maybe Underdark or some sort of like Death Three or something like that. Like of course it's a heist mm-hmm. game. You're yeah, building it with that in mind. But there are some core things that are needed. You can't kind of go off the rails. It is built for a heist. So, like D and D, you can you could do heist in D and D, or you could do a romance, or you could. Do... I tried to do heist in D and D, it didn't work. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's possible. It's but... possible. It turned but, into an action movie. I would say, like, if we're using D and D as the reference, well, maybe not. Eh, it, I wouldn't put it as high as customization because it has some core things that are. This is a heist game. Yeah, there's some abilities that are dependent on some specific story elements. Sure, yeah. But yeah, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing outside of that campaign setting, mm-hmm. even if it was my own, even if it was my own game that I'd kind of concocted. Like, I think that the campaign setting does. It does a lot for the flavor. Mm-hmm. It does a lot for the flavor, and it does a lot for some of the mechanics as well, like mm-hmm. the, the the ghost stuff, and, and it's kind of baked into the the core thing. So, not that it's not flexible, because like we, we kind of made up our own story very quickly, our yeah. own backstories mm-hmm. and everything. Even with template characters, um, we all came up with very unique on-the-spot mm-hmm. backstories and stuff. Yeah, I think we spent 45 minutes or something in character creation yeah. Yeah, it for didn't, all of us. Yeah, it didn't take so. long, and, and we ended up with something. But I think in terms of pure adaptability, you wouldn't want to use this as a framework to tell a wildly different story. Yeah. You'd have to know it really, really well, yeah. and even then there's some elements that just have to stay. I think you 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 could maybe take the the dice rolling mechanic and create your own game. But I think at that point, it's not even Blades in the Dark. Yeah. yeah. Right. When I think of Blades <clears throat> in the Dark, I think of sitting down with a group of people and doing a group narrative rather than one person coming up with a cool campaign setting and a bunch of interesting challenges to run a group of people through. Yeah, the game is a lot more player dependent than a lot of systems are just because it's really up to the players. Like, when you talk about DMs being the referee, like this is, this is really not more of a game that's more true to that because really you're just saying you're just making those calls and the players can't make those calls themselves so yeah yeah so i don't, I don't know for adaptability you want to say three yeah or... i would say three i'd say maybe even a two 2.8 2.5 because, yep 2.8 <laughs> okay i don't want to do point eights so i'll do point fives but yeah i'm gonna use the constant e i because i don't think you're going to go online and find a bunch of campaign settings that other people have put together in blades mm-hmm. in the dark for you to pick up and tweak to your own setting. I think you're going to sit at a table with people and create something together. And that's not adaptability. That's what Blades in the Dark is written for. Yeah. Now, I would add to that, though, is the size of Blades in the Dark compared to D&D. Hold that thought. I'm going to get some Quick, water. Throw so popcorn at me. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're waiting yeah, for pop my corn. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, adaptability. So 2.5 doesn't seem fair? 2.5 seems good. Cool. And then mechanics heavy. No. I'm not Real really. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's some... Like, there are some mechanics. Like, there's the... The structure, the, the, the heist, yeah. The Well, the, the dice and the skills and stuff. But, yeah, I wouldn't say mechanics heavy. It's mechanics... Like, there are... Like, like a one being... There are no mechanics. Like, it's basically just an improv group that's sitting at a table. Yeah. Um. So, with adaptability being, like, uh, using it for an existing story and then mechanics... Because you said it was really great for using it as, uh, really terrible for using it as an existing, like you have to use the 
style. I would and say adapt you don't have to. It's just hard to adapt. But yeah, I don't know if anything about it was terrible. But it, yeah, I wouldn't choose it if I wanted to tell a story that was unrelated to the story they give you. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you're not going to play in their world and you're coming up with something, I would go to D and D. I would go to. There's lots of yeah. There's lots of other, other more open and adaptable frameworks. So, wouldn't mechanics be higher then if that is lower? No, because you have just, to use their rules. It's though? not. It's not dependent. It's not, it's not mechanics, dependent on the mechanics. Though. It's just dependent on the plot, pretty much. Oh, okay. The, the setting. The best you could do is like build your own city within their world. Yeah. And make the city. Different. Yeah, like this, this, this is Baldur's Gate, and this is like we're playing uh, Blades in the Dark and Baldur's Gate. That's how it's running now. Oh, okay. I really like the mechanics. I thought the mechanics were really great, and I think it would be possible to steal those mechanics and create your own world using those mechanics and substituting in mm-hmm. your own things to roll for. But I don't think that that falls into adaptability because at that point you're homebrewing your own system. You're no longer playing Blades in the Dark. Mm-hmm. But as far as mechanics go, I'd say it's about a three. Like, the mechanics are there, but it's well-structured. They give you all of the handouts that you need to run through the game without flipping through a resource book. Mm-hmm. And there isn't a ton of math. It's all it's all D6s. You're just looking for the higher number. You're not doing too much math and adding mm-hmm. uh, modifiers to things to figure out how many dice to roll. It's very straightforward. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think you know, yeah, two or a three for me. I will add that we didn't quite touch upon some of the mechanics, which was the um, uh, upgrading of your base. Your base. Well, I guess we did kind of, didn't we? Yeah, we did that. We, yeah. I gave you as a limited set of options, just because a lot didn't apply to a short-term game. Okay. But, yeah, I guess we we also yeah we didn't explore. Like we have been played long term. We don't have an idea of what a, like a full campaign looks like. Yeah. But I remember being very excited about full time. Yeah, a long-term campaign. Oh, and yeah. I picked up the book, and I'd like to take that to. I, I my definitely other group see the and, potential. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it'd be really cool. Um, obviously, the way we do it for the show is we got to make things concise and build the post stories fast enough. But really, since the game is built on scores, it's pretty easy to do it in sections. Mm-hmm. Just do one score. At a I think time the, kind of the from the mechanical point of view, there's not a lot to remember. You only need one type of dice. Um, it's very intuitive. Like how many dice you're using, mm-hmm. um, so like there's not a lot to remember. There's not a lot to, um, and how successful your rolls are is laid out for you on the sheet. Yeah, like I think the the mechanic side of it is like you could you could play this with a fairly young child and they would they would get the rules of it very quickly. Well, and yeah. even a great example is like our first Halloween episode we recorded. Then we didn't play again for another month before we played the second. We did the second yeah. Halloween episode, and then we—I don't think we did the Christmas episode for another month and a half. So, like, we had that much time between our sessions to a new game that we barely played, and we were able to jump back into it fairly quickly, pretty much immediately. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, well, and the and the the concept of rolling one dice or two dice or three dice, depending on how many points you had in that skill, is just seems very intuitive and, yeah. and is the one that stuck with me. You know, that, that that's a, I think a, a great, I think it's a really good mechanic, but it's also very simple. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. And one thing to point out as well is like, um, I kind of mentioned already that the game is kind of designed for things to go grim dark as much as possible and as often as possible. Um, Maybe not as grim dark as we took it, but we, we tend to always play a bit on the lighter side a lot of time, but um, you're, it's expected that well, you mean can... setting the hobo on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is what I was. It was so to. much fun, <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, so it's expected that your character is going to die, and when you play this game, you're playing a long time campaign. It's very likely your character is going to die or come to the point that they cannot be accessible, successful, successful criminal anymore. Um, so one of the things is like, yeah, if your character dies, okay, well, 
too bad, make a new character, they get to go to the same level because they just because what you're really leveling up is your crew. You're not mm-hmm. necessarily leveling up a character. This is more crew based. It's more about the heist. It's more about the criminal organization that you're creating, not specifically to the character, which makes things kind of interesting. It also kind of adds a bit of um, like looseness to it in a way that just like things your character could die. You accept that fact and you just keep going with it, and you're you're focused more on the environment of what's happening than per se like clinging to your character and praying they don't die. And that can be a lot of fun, especially if you're a new character, a new player, because um, I know in the first campaign that I played in, uh, some of the people in our group created characters that were very middle of the road. They didn't have a lot of personality because we weren't super familiar with how to play. And they ended up playing with that character for three years and after the end of the first year, it wasn't necessarily the character that they would have put together at that point and would have wanted to play long term. So it is nice, especially as a beginner, to come in mm-hmm. and have a system that's built around something bigger than your character where you can say, okay, hey, I'm not having fun with this character anymore. Let's kill them off or they go to jail or something and you you can re-roll a new character yeah, I think bring it's, that in at any point. Yeah, I think it's very rare that anyone, the first character they ever make is a character they want to play for the rest of their life, because there's so much to learn once you start playing any game, and mm-hmm. um, this gives you so many opportunities to keep trying new things, and makes failure fun in a way in this game. Okay. So something actually I would like to highlight is one of the mechanics that were present in the game. I don't think we played a lot of it, but the idea of flashbacks. The whole entire story mm-hmm. is supposed to be, the story mm-hmm. is supposed to be rolling forward, so if you ever encounter a scenario, and like I think the scenario we refer to it as like, we were trying to smuggle our stuff through uh, a checkpoint. Well, the sort of flashback was that, hey, we had actually prepared papers for this, that we had, you know, prepared and we had an idea that we we're going to be transporting something that we could give these papers and they're falsified. But the idea is that it's a story moving forward. The planning phase is happening when it's like total Ocean's Eleven style. Yeah, exactly. Like you're seeing it as it's happening and you're playing it and that's the heist flying through. And that's a really cool mechanic. It helps, keep, yeah, like, Blaze of the Dark is very much focused on keeping the action going as much as possible. and Every moment should feel like you're doing something that means something. There's very little downtime. And, like, there is a small mechanic for between scores for downtime and how you want to spend that. But it really is they want you to get out of those downtime as much as possible and be on those scores and actually doing things. Yeah, it felt like the, the downtime was almost the level up time rather than That's pretty much the narrative. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They don't want you to focus on that stuff at all. They want you there doing heists. One of the cool parts was when you start a heist is you kind of roll to see whether things are in your favor or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so your your one to three, four, five, or six depends on how well things are going to start and how well things are basically if fate is on your side kind of thing. Yeah. Just when you start the heist, which is pretty cool. Yeah, like any heist you can start, it could be like... You said at a terrible disadvantage, and um, the game makes it so that that's fun. Losing is fun in this game. Are you okay over there? No. My sock got stuck to the chair, and it was <laughs> very traumatic. <laughs> Sorry, I brought her. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I was here first. <laughs> it's true. She has founder's rights. <laughs> so, I guess a rating. Overall? Yeah, personal ra- Personal ratings. Um, I would give it like a, a three. Okay. Wait, sorry, what was the t- main max? Like, what's one, what's five? Five's amazing. One is you want to burn it. Three's in the middle. <laughs> okay. I thought it was, the like, mechanic was like light or heavy. Oh, what? I thought mechanics you were talking about time. overall. Oh. Oh, so what's, for, what's me- for mechanics, we said three. 
Okay, so yeah, so I'm so like, five oh. beings really mechanic heavy. Wow. Tyler just walked what in. What you doing, Tyler? <laughs> Buffering. So when we took that little intermission, everything just sort of stopped and restarted. I <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> tried turning it on and off again. Yeah, so overall, no, I put it at three. You think I would play feet? it again, but at this point, I'm like kind of it's yeah, I could live without it. But I go with like you know, as an outside of the podcast play because the podcast we have to do things to make it work and we can go through it. I like to fill it out and like build it out a little bit more and get a get a greater better feel for it. And that's where I put a three at play again. Okay. I'd say a four. Um, I wouldn't mind doing a full time campaign with it. It'd be a lot of fun to do that. Yeah, I'd say four. I mean, I went out and bought the book, and I would love to do a long campaign with it as a group. Yeah. Yeah. I would say three. Um, I would play it again, but there are probably other games I would play first. Um, So I would say 3.5. I really enjoy the game. But the thing that keeps it from going higher for me is the fact that I'm so much... I'm really into those, like, more big epic stories and building a lot on the downtime, which this game doesn't really allow mm. so much for. But this is this would be an amazing game. If you just want something casual to meet up with your friends once a month kind of thing, I think this would be really great for that. A beer and peanuts game? Totally. It's a great beer and peanuts game. Yeah. If you just want to play in the tangents. Beer and peanuts game. Beer and peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I do think that like it's got a lot of potential. It's great. It's a great pickup casual game if you want to just play around random people. And it's always action, always moving forward. Yeah, cool. Really easy to just penetrate through the rules and really get that mm-hmm. game going. And that is Blaze in the Dark, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 